Hey, everybody. I'm Daryl Scott. And I'm Gabe Casey. And this is the Throw and Wrenches podcast, the auto podcast that always takes the cake. Birthday cake, that is. Ho ho. That's right. On this episode of Throw and Wrenches, we'll go back to the future and rediscover that DeLorean Motor Company. We'll learn why your next Nachos Bill Grande might come firing down a bank tube. And speaking of gas, <laughs> we'll learn which states have the priciest petrol in all the land. All that and more on the Throw and Wrenches podcast. Oh, hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you'd like to join in the fun of the show, you can always email us. Our door is always open. We've got the, the welcome mat rolled out. We're at info at throwinwrenches.com. And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't plug the iTunes reviews and make Eric very, very happy. Eric's a wonderful, wonderful guy. But the only thing that makes him sad or angry is when we don't have iTunes reviews of this podcast. So feel free to go to iTunes, like us there, follow us, uh, get us delivered any which way you want. But uh, if you throw us a review, we would be very happy to send you a pair of stickers so you can rep the show on whatever, your fridge, your car, your Hyundai, whatever you have. It doesn't matter. You can stick it anywhere. Um, but that's really that's really what we, uh, we're all about is, is shameless self-promotion. That's right. Um, and if you notice the show sounds a little different, well, we'll just go ahead and address this right up front. I, of course, Daryl Scott, usually, uh, you know, the co-host, the sidekick, if you will, Eric Stahl, our, 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 our lovely host. But this week sounds a little different because, well, we've got some stuff going on and uh, we want to keep the show rolling. Uh, you can read more about it on our uh, uh, post here with this episode. We'll kind of clue you into what's going on there. But uh, we just want to say our thoughts and uh, our hearts are with the, uh, the Stahl family right now. Especially Summer, we wish you wish you the best, longtime friend and listener of the show, and actually did some voiceover work for the show. If you probably the best part of the show. That was the funniest intro of the show. Much better than I love you, Gabe, but much better than you and I could do the intro. She she was uh, she was, she's fantastic. So, at any rate, uh, Gabe, you're no stranger to the show. No, I, I'm at this point. I guess you've been promoted. Have I? Oh, yeah, and I would be the co-host, right? Thank I you. would be the underling. Do I get a raise? Yes, you do. Oh, Whatever you're making now, double it. Double it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> very, very kind. Uh, Gabe's going to be filling in for uh, the illustrious Eric Stahl for the next couple of uh, uh, weeks here. If you haven't heard the show or you're just not familiar, let me tell you a little something about our hosts here, including Mr. Gabe Casey. For those who grew up watching Johnny Carson, well, you'll recall a few times when folks like Bob Newhart or Joan Rivers or yeah, even Jay Leno, before he was Jay Leno, filled in for Johnny from time to time. Well, tonight... My co-host's chin grew a little bit larger, and he bought a few hundred more cars to channel his inner Jay Leno. I guess that means he'll get the permanent gig someday. He's the guest host with the most toys, that is. He's Gabe Leno. I mean, Casey. Gabe Casey. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, and, and if you don't know my illustrious host, Daryl Scott, uh, Daryl can't buy any more vehicles at the moment uh, after the last purchase, which is True. great. True. But that won't stop him from encouraging and helping friends to add to their fleets. He's the little devil on your shoulder, helping you make the bad decision your wife doesn't appreciate. But he's also an angel who knows nothing but self-sacrifice. Like the way he sacrificed two additional indoor parking spots in his basement for actual <laughs> living space. And for that, his wife will let him continue living. He's more of a Bill Gates than a Jim Morrison because he skipped the doors and has more windows. He's Daryl Scott. Hey-oh. Thank you. Oh, that's great. 
I I do consider myself more of a Jim Morrison, but that's just I'm I'm just a rock and roller who likes the, to wear flannel and not shave. The Val Kilmer version or the original? Uh, you know what? The the Val Kilmer version is pretty good. That's a weird movie though. Totally weird. Um, do you want to read Eric's here? Uh, Absolutely. So uh, in Eric's stead, I will try to fill into the best possible. I will be cutting off Daryl every chance I get. I'm going to work on the wheezy laugh. We're going <laughs> to talk about Kelly, the dude. And I don't know about the moment of Musk because our mixer is not Eric prepped. So we are at a disadvantage. But right. uh, our uh, illustrious host who couldn't be with us, Eric Stahl. If you don't know Eric Stahl, then this is the first episode of Throwing Wrenches you have ever listened to. If you're here to hear his soothing tones, wheezing laugh, and yelling into the microphone about Elon Musk, then you're out of luck. But he is with us here in spirit and in the pre-show. So now is the time to jump on the Patreon wagon and get your fix of Eric Stahl. Um, Some of our sponsors, and you might know a few of these folks, Gabe, we want to throw a shout out to Fort's Toyota of Pekin. They are 15 minutes from anywhere. You can find them on the web at toyota-pekin.com. Nice, easy to remember. Sales, service, what have you. Uh, good folks to do business with. And also, they know a thing or two about your Toyota, so they can service and maintain your investment over the years. A really, really good family-owned business and one that is super close in beautiful North Pekin uh, off Radio City Drive, which begs the question, I don't know why they call it Radio City Drive. Is there a radio station there? Uh, not anymore. I don't think so. Weird. Kind of cool, though, if you're yeah. into history. Anyways, Forts Toyota of Pekin, toyota-pekin.com. And the best part is I had that website memorized as well, just in case you didn't. But thank you. A- after this point, he's a professional, folks. Right. So at this point in the show, we normally thank me, but we won't do that this time. What we'll do instead is we'll say we're going to post information to the Stahl family GoFundMe. Um, if you can help out, that's great. If you just want to send him well wishes and support, that's great. He'd probably actually prefer it if you just gave a podcast a review, actually. Honestly, of- <laughs> in terms of priorities, yeah, he probably would appreciate that more. But no, we will definitely give them a shout out and uh, feel free to visit them, kind of read what's going on with uh, with the family there. And then also if you're in a position where you'd like to throw a few dollars in, help them out, that would truly be appreciated. And we also want to say thank you to our Patreon members who have uh, helped this show grow from the ground up over the last few years. Uh, the mixer, the, uh, the audio uh, mixer that we have right here, the microphones, the cables that actually work and don't crackle, those are all made possible through our friends, through the Patreon. We truly appreciate your support. And uh, if you want to click that little pink link, I think it's a pink button there on the top corner on this post, we will, we will uh, tell you a little bit more on how you can help support the program as well. Uh, we do have some updates here in Feedback, Gabe. We did mail out a bunch of stickers. Good. We had some reviews in recent weeks, so uh, if you do give us a review, we send you out a couple stickers. We also have some that fell through the cracks. I won't say who dropped the ball, but his name rhymes with Schmeril Schmott, and uh, he might be sitting here on the other side of the table. Uh, we did get some <laughs> stickers out in the mail, including some to some beautiful locales out in California and Maine and all over the eastern seaboard. We've got listeners all over the country, and that's great to hear. We just want to make sure that we don't drop the ball and actually get you your swag so you can represent this, the uh, the podcast with stickers. Uh, that's kind of fun. Um, so do, uh, do get in touch with us. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for commenting. And if there is something that kind of sticks in your craw after listening to one of these episodes, you're like, ah, these guys missed the mark, or yeah, they, they said something about, I don't know, X vehicle, and I disagree with it, let us know. Info at throwingwrenches.com. We're always here to hear from you and take that feedback. Um, speaking of feedback, um, Gabe, uh, the last couple episodes, have you, been, have you listened? I think you were on the 60, episode 60? 60? Um, 60, 
61, somewhere around there. Yeah. It was when you got your motorcycle. Yeah, I think it was just two ago, and you had Jason Daly on. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We talked some autocross. So in between there, it doesn't seem like it's that much time has transpired, but you've managed to, let's just say, add to your projects, add to your collection, add to your fun. Uh, what have you been working on? What have you been up to in the last couple of weeks since we saw you last? You should know at this age, projects never end, do they, Daryl? No, they just get longer and more complex. Yes, and you buy them, and then you maybe think maybe this wasn't a good idea, but now I'm stuck with it because I can't let my wife be right. I have to push right. through. <laughs> you can't sell it, oh, and maybe eventually you might sell it. Right, in the condition it's in. Mm -hmm. But no, uh, I, I'm kind of liking, I don't know if it's a philosophy, I don't know if anybody told me about it, but... I do enjoy buying a put-together vehicle uh, at this point, something you could just turnkey, you can go out and drive and enjoy. But at the same time, I like to tinker, and it gives me an excuse to hang out in the garage and have a couple beers or you know, sure. watch the kids out front too, enjoy the summertime. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I have been working on many things, one of which is uh, another BMW motorcycle I bought. <clears throat> what? Yeah. Say it ain't so. Oh, why, why would I do that, Daryl? Why would I buy another one? That's crazy talk. Yeah, so when, when we talked last, you had recently purchased a 1955 BMW R50. Correct. And it was local, so you didn't have to go across the country to go get it. Fully restored, turnkey, beautiful machine. Like we've talked before, it could almost be furniture, like a fixture in your house. I'm still pushing for that. It's not going over. It's well. not going to happen. No. Okay. So, so one wasn't enough. You, you were you out looking actively for another BMW, or just searching Craigslist, whatever popped up, happened. I mean, so you can't say looking actively. Look at us. Do we ever really <laughs> not look actively for anything? Every day. Yeah, exactly. So we've always got our feelers out. Right. We, we have a web and we keep an eye on various sources and hearsay that, you know, goes around. Um, so I'm in some BMW groups now because I bought the BMW. Okay. So had I not bought the first bike, I would have never found this one. That was your gateway bike. Oh, yeah. It's totally a, a start. Yeah. It, I'm hooked. I'm over here scratching my neck. You can't see me in the wonderful world of audio. Got any more of those BMWs? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you're out looking. And uh, in a full disclosure, you and I were at a barbecue with, yes. uh, with, with the family and friends. And Mr. Irish. And Mr. Irish. lovely. Longtime listener, friend of the show. Uh, how did that whole thing go down? Well, I, you know me. I didn't play on my phone the whole time. But at a couple moments during the day, I picked it up and I did a little scrolling and then put it back down. And I, I just saw on the feed, I wasn't even in Marketplace, Daryl. <laughs> I wasn't even going for it. Um, an admin had removed a post about a BMW R50 for sale up in Rochelle, Illinois. Okay. And so I was reading about it. I'm like, oh, it looks pretty cool. Why does it look cool? I've already got an R50. Well, it has a sidecar attached to it. And as you mentioned, the first one I bought, very nice bike. I don't want to mess with it. I don't even want to work on it. It's so nice. It's that clean. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to be able to take my kids out a little bit, you know, just putts around town, nothing crazy, nothing dangerous. Um, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old, for those of you who don't know, or if time has passed since last I aged them. Um, <laughs> but the sidecar is just really cool. And it was a, it was a good deal. Oh, yeah. And so Daryl and I are sitting at the barbecue, and I show it to him, and he's like, I don't know. What did you say? You were excited, too. I think uh, I, I, th I think you threw out some of the numbers. You were tossing the guy's way, and uh, it, as, as the afternoon went on, you, you reached a deal that was, I thought, uh, incredible. And what was it, two hours away, two and a half hours? Yeah, it was about two hours. So not that far away. You're not talking a cross-country trip to get this thing. It's close. The price was right. It was unique. And uh, I, th I think I just said, yeah, you have to buy that. And if you need a hand bringing it home, let me know. Yeah. You said, I'll go with you. That's okay. That's <laughs> and probably, that was the nail in my coffin. That's what pushed you over the edge. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, I said, we, we're enablers. We, we help each other make bad decisions. And that's nice because then you don't have to take all the heat. You'd be like, well, well Daryl thinks it's a good opportunity or it's a good price or whatever, or he's going to help me. Then you can kind of deflect some of that. Exactly. Know, right? Honestly, it wasn't all me. I swear, honey. No, he, don't get the belt. He made me do it. <laughs> no. So um, It was a really, really good yeah, deal. Yeah. The guy was asking five grand. And in the course of an hour or so, just pinging with him casually as I'm at this barbecue, having a couple drinks, having a really good hamburger. Great job, Irish. Very burgers. good burgers. Um, the guy came down already from 5000 to 4200 but he did so because it needed a little work. And title. He doesn't have the title. I have never bought a car or a vehicle without a title before this. So this is your first one. It is. But the price was so good. Uh, he claims he can get it from the previous, some older lady who's a widower now and her husband had the bike. Um, but I haven't heard from him since I bought it. Eh. And I've just kind of let it sit for a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's my new project. It's a 1971 BMW R50 and it's a slash five. So the okay. slash on them is like the engine generation um, or the generation of the bike. Gotcha. So it'd be like a Mark V, if you want to call it that, or whatever else. Does that mean more power than your 55? I mean, same displacement, but maybe a little more horsepower? You know, or? I haven't looked up the displacement, but it seems a lot more powerful. Still carbureted. Yeah, still, dual, still dual carbureted. Yep. Horizontal, uh, two-cylinder. Okay. So they really didn't change, like, probably the, you know, the, the block or the core of that too much over the years. Well, it looks different um, because the fuel lines, which is one of the issues, it actually has, it runs through the transmission there. Yeah, there's that weird crossover. Yeah. So you got coming down from the tank, you've got two separate shutoffs, one on each side. Correct. And then a crossover. What's the crossover pipe in there for? So I was told it's because you can just run one side of the tank, and then the other side of the tank can act as a, a reserve. Oh, okay, okay. Well, your 55 has a reserve too, right? Uh, technically, I've never looked deep enough in the tank, but it's only a single line, so it has an actual reserve click. Gotcha. There's yeah, and I'm not a huge motorcycle. I love motorcycles, but I you know I just don't know anything about them. So I, it's nice to be able to just kind of live vicariously through you and your exploits here because it's you get to see tech you know early early technology on like that 55, but then how things evolve over the years and the sidecar. Who doesn't want a motorcycle with a sidecar? You just look like some sort of superhero or some just somebody cool with one of those things. Yeah, and full disclosure, I had watched Garden State like a month or so beforehand. And I mean, <laughs> Zach Braff has the sidecar in that movie, and you have to he just looks awesome on it. Yeah. And it's not like he's a cool looking dude necessarily. Obviously, he's a Hollywood movie star. I'm not gonna put him down, but you know, it's not Tom Cruise right. on a motorcycle, it's right? Like and, mission and top gun or mission. Top gun, Bush. yeah, going down the runway. Yeah. Um, but no, so we, I had to do new fuel lines. Uh, the fuel lines were leaking, um, and I ended up just bypassing that H pass-through. It's kind of like an H, comes down each side, and then it goes through the middle. Just like it, T's or something on each, each exactly. side. Exactly. It had two T's on each side. Um, so now that I bypass that, I have to turn both fuel switches on rather than just turning one on, but it isn't a big deal because you're priming both carburetors before you start it and everything anyways. And by eliminating it, I was able to add an inline fuel filter on each side, which basically mirrors what I already have on my other R50. Probably a little cleaner, you know, especially if something, a uh, bike like that's been sitting. Uh, I don't remember what the guy said, but it's, it'd been sitting a while. So, you, you know, you're always, your best bet is to, to run an inline filter if and when you can. Yeah. All the posts online said if the condition of the filter in the tank is okay, you don't, well, I can't, I don't see it. I don't want to take the tank all the way apart. I don't want to deal with it. Right. I'll just add a secondary filter, see if it causes any issues. So I did that. And then um, I had to get a new battery in it. And that, the fuel lines literally took five minutes. I yeah, ordered them. Easy. Yeah, ordered them off Amazon. You get a pair of scissors. You cut the fuel line. You shove it on there. You shove the filter on the other end. You cut another one. Shove, shove. You're done. 
Nice. Like nothing to it. It uh, looks great. It stays on there. No leaks anymore. But then the battery will not go in. And part of me thinks it's because I bought the O'Reilly battery and the head on it's a little thicker. Oh. And I think that was causing an issue. So you said you had to take the, was it the back fender off? Yes. So there's like a battery holding bracket and uh, it's under the seat and it's got the frame around it and you can't take the frame off, obviously. So I'm trying to like, I'm, I'm pushing down the kickstart. It's got kickstart and electric start, but I'm pushing right. that down and trying to like slide it in the side, maneuver it around. No. Try to put the thing in sideways and twist it around. No. Like Tetris. Yeah. So I ended up taking apart, taking off the actual battery holder the bike came with trying to get it in there. No. I had to take the whole rear fender off, which is a pain because I had to get my hand up under the tire into the fender well to get the, the bolt heads. To hold them or something. Yeah, so I could yeah. get the nuts on the other side. Like, whoever designed that was terrible. Um, and I put it up on the mid-kickstand to try to get a little more clearance. That didn't help. Uh, so it was just a nightmare. Well, it's weird, too, when you have a bike with a sidecar on it. All the things that normally wouldn't be that bad, it's like, well, now this thing's three times as big. And it's heavier. And, like, trying to put it on the shop stand or whatever, it's... That was a that was a fun little experience. Um, so, well, so, so you got that squared away. What's what's kind of the goal? Are you, uh, to run this thing around in the summertime? Uh, with you know, maybe throw some of the kids in or the wife and have fun, buzz around town. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I want to take it to some of the local shows. Um, we've got the VFW show coming up. Who puts that on, Daryl? It's on June twenty fourth or twenty fifth. It's it? it's actually a guy named Tom Stanessa who uh, works with the VFW, Morton VFW fifteen seventy nine twenty nine something like whatever it is. Um, but they they had an inaugural show last year and it was a huge success. And hopefully it's going to be even bigger. Uh, it's, it's June twenty fifth, Morton Illinois at the VFW Hall on Veterans Drive, Veterans Road. Yep. It's awesome. Uh, highly recommend it. They have all kinds of stuff: bikes, cars. They're going to have World War II era vehicles out there. Uh, it's going to be. It'll fit right in. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. So I'd love to take both the BMW bikes out there, have them sit next to each other. Yeah. You know, have the different generations of the same. You know, R50 engine. Just like you said, you can see the differences, the improvements, the sen- the things that are the same. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Um, it needs a rear tube still. I dropped it off at the shop, and the idle was a little wonky. It didn't want to really stay at idle even after it warmed up. But it ran great. It shifted great. I drove it down there. But I'm gonna have to figure out how to drive with a sidecar because I have no idea. A little different. Well, you you can't hardly lean on it, and that's like your biggest control of a motorcycle is just leaning. But if you lean and there's a sidecar, you can't lean. That's true. Well, you can lean one side, maybe. But then you can get the sidecar up in the air, and then you can toss yourself over. Because <laughs> <You> <laughs> it's can. fiberglass. There's, like, no weight in the sidecar. Super hardly. light. And so is it a is it an original equipment uh, or just, like, a period correct? Oh, it's period correct. I don't yeah. know. Obviously, they didn't make, you know, BMW themselves didn't make one back in the day. Um, but this one's a, it's a 1971 motorcycle. The sidecar is a 72. Okay. And it says it's from the Czech Republic on it. Awesome. So, so it's got some pedigree. It's uh, it's seen some stuff. Oh, it definitely has. It's a little beat up. You saw the fiberglass. It, it's it's looked better, but the bike cleaned up pretty nice. So I'm pretty happy because I think it's all original, um, which is impressive. Yeah. I mean, the bike's 50 years old almost, or is. Well, that's the thing. Anything from the early 70s at this point. I mean, growing up, we're like, oh, it's it's 20 some years old, no big deal. Well, now, <laughs> I hate to say, times passed. <laughs> stuff from the early 70s is 50 year old. Yeah. And that's crazy to me. That's I know. Crazy. So, it just means that. Like a fine wine, even things from the '70s will appreciate. Yeah, people will uh, will discover them and, and call them classics. So <laughs> congrats on the purchase, man. That's a good one. Well, thank so, you. Yep. So that's not the oldest thing in your in your collection, though. No, with, and uh, we've talked about uh, we talked about the old '27 Chrysler before, and I finally, you know, things warmed up a little bit around here. It stopped raining. I stopped being busy, so I cleaned up my garage a little bit, which is just piled full of things. It's ridiculous. Daryl's seen it. it looks we great. It looks great. We talking about. We pushed a Volkswagen Rabbit 
forward as far as we could in the stall when we got the bike back. And we pushed it like into a recycling bin and then pushed in the car in the sidecar. And then like it tapped the rabbit and Daryl just about burst into tears from the vehicles colliding. I did have a little heart palpitation, but no, I completely understand because, you know, you get a, you get a couple extra projects in your garage and you're working on things and uh, suddenly you run out of space, even in a three car garage. So, right. So I had no motivation for a while for the Chrysler, but it, I needed one tire and tube. Um, at least the tube. And then the tires get all beat up when you take them off the old rim. And I don't want to call it a split rim because I don't know that it technically splits. It's a two-part rim, Mm. but I think split rim is different. And I don't know if I'm going to try to air them up myself or not, but I just decided I'm going to get all new tires, all new tubes. Let's do this thing right. Let's make it last, you know, 5, 10, 20 years, whatever I can get out of those. That's a good call. Yeah, because I've got to take them all off. I've got to um, take them to the wire wheel, clean them up, get the rust off of them, respray them, get them all resealed, and it's going to be enough work. So I uh, I got the, the garage cleaned out finally a little bit and then got it all lifted on jack stands, took all the tires and tubes off, ordered new ones from Coker Tire, and decided that uh, I'm a black wall kind of guy, not a white wall, because of the price. Well, yeah, that's a lot of the old the old cars, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, you know, the white wall, the wide white walls that everybody kind of knows – uh, those are expensive. Uh, there's probably what hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollar difference. About hundred fifty bucks different a tire. So same size bias ply reproduction tire from back in the day. A white wall is going to cost you another hundred fifty bucks, and they're not cheap to begin with. So I I don't blame you. I think actually on that car it's a beautiful like a like a periwinkle light blue dark blue combo with black fenders. I think the black walls will blend in with the fenders. It'll make it look cool, kind of sleek. The white walls are nice. They It looks like a ritzy, f- fancy, kind of Great Gatsby-like car, which it is. But the black walls, that's a good decision. And I think, you know, for the amount of money it and the amount you're going to drive it, it's probably worth it. Um, I've been struggling with that, too. I, need, I Our 47 Chevy needs new tires. And I'm looking at it and like, ah, white walls would be nice. And like... It's probably going to get another set of black walls because they're like $89 cheaper. Yeah. Well, that's not too bad. You should splurge. I, sh- I should. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. But no, uh, so the tires, I have to wait for those to come in. I think it's like end of, end of June or end of July. I don't remember. But hopefully I'll have it running this summer, running well, take it out to some shows. It's not going to be ready by the 25th. Yeah. Um, and it needs some brake line work. I took out two uh, rear flex brake lines on it that were just like gooey in my hand, melted terrible you sent me a picture one we were having trouble with the uh it wasn't building brake pressure uh and it's hydraulic brakes which is fascinating for for 1927 car uh all chrysler since since they came out in 24 all had hydraulic brakes which is really a neat advancement the trouble is they're 1927 hydraulic brakes so they're a little different the you know technology's a little behind but uh, the the rears weren't building pressure. Fronts were. Fronts worked fine. I could we could hear those clamp when we were bleeding the brakes, but we never got anything through the back. And we kind of thought. I think you even said it. You're like maybe those lines are collapsed or something with the the rubber hoses. And sure enough, that picture you sent. I think they're just they're just done. I mean, they're stuck to my glove when I'm pulling them off. It's that melted. So yeah, yeah there's no way. And then you could clearly see it once I took the tires off. Like you could see the line, and I was like, well, there you go. You know, it was hard to see before. So I got to have to get um, a custom line made, though. So if you know where I can get a custom hydraulic brake line made, um, I, it came with one, actually, that fits in perfect. So I just need to have it reproduced. Okay. Um, I'll probably actually have two of them made or more, and then that way I'll have them. Yeah. How much work is that to find a company that's going to do a custom brake line in the you know same type and fittings? And Ugh. Right. Terrible. Now, I wonder if some of the hydraulic hose places will do it or if it's different type of stuff for brake versus like hydraulic fluid. Not sure. 
but uh, we'll get you squared away. And yep. if anybody, anybody out there has any recommendations too, places that'll do it, um, it's it's that car is like a lot of older cars. It's not something you're going to go down to AutoZone and find a part for. I or, took it in there. It was funny. Did you? <laughs> They're like, what's this going? And I'm like, you don't want to know. <laughs> Two-wheel drive, four-wheel drive. What kind of motor? And like, forget it, dude. It's 27 cars. Do you have the VIN? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you've also been doing some light carpentry work, I guess. Uh, we'll just throw that out there. So. Yes, yes. I was working at the Finca del Mariaville. Is that what it's called? Maravilla? Maravilla. I okay. Know. I don't... I'm. I'm American. I don't know. It's a reference. That. I don't know. That's what uh, Eric calls his house. It's got a real... Remember when people used to give their houses like uh, names on Foursquare? Uh, four yeah, fancy people. Yeah. <laughs> fancy, <laughs> fancy people would do that. I tried doing... I, tr I tried putting like D's Garage or something on Foursquare and it, it never worked. It wound up putting like a pin on my neighbor's house. And by the way, the other weird thing... You ever use Google Maps and like you search up your, your own neighborhood and you see like things... There's a bagel shop somebody runs out of their house. There's a pen like a block away, and it's called like Bogles, Bogles Bagels or something. And it's like a, it's like an underground bagel shop in one of my neighbor's houses. And I'm like, what? Or it's an issue with Google. But yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't know. People are weird. The internet's weird. But uh... yeah, absolutely. No. So yeah, I was over at Eric's place uh, doing a couple of very, very shoddy railings just to get by so that, uh, you know, grandma can get up and down the stairs and uh, summer someday as well. So that's I, helpful. Yeah. Like like you said, not HUD approved, um, but hopefully they'll get the job done. And, you know, if we wanted to go big and, and do it later, we can go big sometime. But I was doing, you know, minimally invasive, low budget, make it look decent. Make it half usable. Sometimes, and I've, I've said this in the last couple of weeks, it's sometimes it's better to have something done than to have it done right. And doing something's better than than not doing anything. So yeah, no, kudos to you, and don't sell yourself short as a carpenter. I think you know maybe it's not your day job, but you do pretty good at it. So uh, kudos for doing that. Well, thank you. Yeah, it turned out okay. I still need to to stain it and everything else, but uh, I do know how to do it more properly. But again. Not my property. So, like, how much digging do I want to do? How much do I want to replace? You right, know what I mean? So, right. You're in there with a post hole digger and an auger and pretty much some concrete. Yeah, that's what's needed. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the worst. Yeah, I gotta we'll see. I gotta replace some fence posts that are like that. It's uh, and of course it's all clay soil, so it's just it's just a nightmare to dig through. So maybe I'll call you. I'll have you come over and do that. Yeah, I'll bring you the post hole digger I have. You can you can use it. Thanks. I'll watch. I'll supervise. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so, what have you been up to, Daryl? And not too much. Uh, 55 Cadillac, which is kind of consuming a lot of my time now that I've, you know, got some of my stuff under control on the home front as far as the basement remodel goes. Um, I've actually been doing a fair amount of uh, cleaning out of the interior. And if I don't know if I shared pictures. I put some put some links up, I think, a couple weeks ago. I'll, I'll share some on the uh, on the Facebook page for Throwout Wrenches. Uh, the original leather interior had a fair amount of mold and mouse debris. I'll just say that. Family-friendly show. Uh, a lot of mouse debris. It was really gross and probably the most disgusting car I've ever owned as far as that goes. We cleaned the outside. We pressure washed it. And we brought it home back in March on a, on a really nice day. But I didn't want to do anything with the interior because in March in Illinois, it still got below freezing. I didn't want to mess with it. So now that the weather's nice, I actually took two couple Sundays ago, and my wife and I gutted the interior of the car, pulled the seats out, the uh, you know the floor, the padding, the stuff behind the seat, all of it. Didn't pull the headliner, the door panels; those are still decent. I didn't want to destroy them, but uh, gutted all that stuff and basically just 
cleaned it all out, disinfected it with vinegar and enzyme cleaner and you name it. And I, I did a fair amount of research. I watched a lot of ammo videos. Larry Kosika out in New York, who's a big detailer, okay. uh, does a lot of those, you know, first wash in 40 years or dirtiest <laughs> truck ever from the barn. Uh, and I saw a couple of videos where he kind of methodically went through things and then also give you some pointers on, you know, hey, if you buy an old moldy car, don't just go in there without like a mask and gloves. Like there's... Did you wear the full Tyvek suit like you did when you were spraying the outside? No, <laughs> no. Sarah did. My wife did when uh, when we first brought the car home because it was it was rancid. It was so bad. Um, it, it it's gotten progressively cleaner. It's to the point now where I I pulled out the carpet. I I threw away all the padding underneath because that was just shot uh, for just obvious reasons. The carpet actually wasn't bad, and I'm like I can pressure wash and clean this up because I'd rather spend time and money on things like you know, white wall tires or a carb kit or brakes than 600 bucks in a set of reproduction carpet. The carpet actually was really, really good. There were full length floor mats in the whole car. So nothing really got too gross. It was just, you know. It had sat. It had, yeah. yeah it was used through that. So I actually did the same thing, pressure washed the thing, hit it with a foam cannon and, and washed, uh, washed the carpets out really well. And actually, they turned out really, really slick. I can't wait. Sometime when I get the thing back together, um, yeah, you'll, you probably won't even recognize it. It, it, looks, it looks like a million bucks. The leather, or the dash pad, the door panels, all of that is leather. And it's about a sixteenth of an inch thick. It's really thick leather. So I saddle soaped it. So it's, it's slowly coming back. And you know when you're, you, you've, you said you like to tinker. When, when you do work on something and you get it, it's like that, even if it's something small, there is that moment where you're like, yeah, all right, I got this. You feel good about cleaning it up, too. When I was just shining up the 71 BMW, it feels good to, like, restore some of its former life to it, you know? Exactly. Because you, you go back to somebody spent a lot of money on this. This was something special somebody wanted back in the day, and they, you know, they took care of it right until they couldn't, or it got sold, or, like, somebody's kid took, took hold of it and just let it, you know, fall into disrepair. So it's the same with an old building, an old car, an old you know piece of furniture. It's just it's fun to bring something like that back to life. But then you you go online and you read all these other stories of guys spending like you know hundred thousand dollar restorations, or you watch a TV show and they got a car on a rotisserie and it's just every nut and bolt is perfect. You're like, yeah, I'm never gonna be that. Not for us. No, Not for you and me. No. No. You got to enjoy it, right? You got to be able to take the family out and you know if it gets a rock chip, who cares? You know. Yeah. Now, were you able to save the most important feature on that car? Which was the what? The plastic seat covers that were on top. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I still haven't taken those off yet. Um, okay, you just flipped it with them still on. Flipped it with it st still on there. And so they're sitting on sawhorses in the garage. I vacuumed all the stuff out of it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm planning my next move. Part of me wants to peel them off, clean everything, and put them back on. Uh, the other part of me wants to just completely toss them and just, you know leather seats and, and call it good. Or you could take it inside and put it on your couch. I could. <laughs> I could. Do you ever know anybody growing up whose parents had that on their furniture? I knew grandparents that did. Not my, not my yeah. friend's parents. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a, an older generation, the clear plastic seat covers. We had some people behind us growing up, and I remember going to a barbecue like once. It's my parents. I don't know. They were busy, and they had kids and whatever. But I remember it was... Mr. and Mrs. Vaughn, I remember we, we hung out in their, their house looked like the Happy Days house, you know, it was like one of those, and uh, lots of hairspray, lots of cigarettes, and I remember sitting on the couch in the living room, and it was plastic covered, they had the seat covers on there, all the furniture did, and they had like the plastic runners on the carpet, you know. And it so, would like squeak when you'd sit down, like, oh, so gross. It was Couldn't so wear gross. shorts. 
Yeah, it was, your legs would stick to it. It was the summer. I was wearing short. I was wearing like little Adidas shorts or something, and like a little Izod shirt. And I remember like sticking to the couch. And after a while, I, I probably was like making faces or like this is weird. And my mom's like, "Go outside and play." And we just ran. You away. stand up. It goes. As your leg separates from the plastic, it just peels your skin off. Now, did they have the plastic runners down the carpet too? Yeah, because that's what's amazing. Like. Yeah. Let's get all this stuff like carpet and cloth upholstery, mm-hmm. and then let's make it like leather, you yeah. know, or make it like hardwood. Like, what are you doing with your lives? Let's cover it up. And what the, the fun part about that is, years later, when they move out, or in the case of you know certain older folks pass away, uh, and then they peel all that up, then you have this nice strip where all the plastic <laughs> was, and then the dirt is everywhere else. Well, you still got to replace it. That's the bottom it's line. Junk. It's it's going to be sixty year old carpet either way, right? I understand? I don't know. People's rationale back then. It's like. It's like everything else. Remember in grade school, they used to make you cover your books? Oh, yeah. What the heck was that? That was the stupidest waste. Like the first day of school. Okay, we're going to cover this math book with this old grocery bag. Like, so what? The the front of the math book is preserved for like the next generation? Like, who cares? Uh, I do remember that. That's so dumb. Sad. I can't even do it. That was where the first the first moment, and I'll move on from this because I'm I'm having a moment where I'm having like repressed childhood trauma. He's going to that old guy trance right now. <laughs> that was also the moment where I'm like, I can't do this. I don't know how I'm not good at this. I can't do crafts. I can't fold. And then I had like a similar spaz as an adult where like my mom didn't wrap my Christmas presents for me. And I was like 22 and I'm like, I I I, I can't do this. Like, what do I do? <laughs> you buy a bag, Daryl. <laughs> You buy a bag and some tissue paper, you, just you make it happen. Wrap everything in a Kroger bag. There you go. No, like a gift bag that mm. says Merry Christmas on it or Happy Birthday, and you just stick it in there, and you put four pieces of tissue paper, and you're done. Genius. Yeah. I, 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 modern problems require modern solutions. I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of modern problems, it is time for our next segment, which we appropriately call The, the News. News. That's a good name for it. Yeah, figured as much. <laughs> we're going to start out with local news, and as much as we don't like talking about Illinois all the time, we're going to go ahead and talk about Illinois. Gabe, did you see this story from NBC5 in Chicago talking about the uh, the price of gasoline here in Illinois? I saw it on the sheet, yeah. No, yeah, good. Well, good, because we actually uh, we put a little outline together. Illinois, along with nine other states, are seeing an average gas price above $5 a gallon. Illinois is one of 10 states that see, uh, you know, over the $5 line, which is about $2 more than last year's average price at the pump. According to AAA, the average price of a gallon of gas in Illinois this week, as of yesterday, was $5.45 a gallon and $5.86 in Cook County. Beautiful Cook County in uh, in northern Illinois. Lovely this time of year. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, the national average, you might ask, what is that? Well, it's $4.91, so considerable amount of less. But according to Philip Braun, who's a finance professor at Northwestern's Kellogg School of Management, the price of gas is likely rising across the U.S., of course, due to the Russia-Ukraine war. As long as there is a blockade against Russia, oil glo- Russian oil globally, oil prices are going to stay sustained, Braun said. Northwestern professor said the gas prices are at their highest price per gallon that they've ever been, noting crude oil prices are currently up 75% since early December. Wow, 75% increase. And there won't likely be any relief anytime soon. Uh, Brown adds that uh, inflation, that's right, the I word, also playing a major role in gas pricing. 
So some of the other states that are recording similarly high gas prices, we have California topping the scales at $6.37 an average. Now that is surprising. I would have thought that would have been cheap. Go on. Well, I, and I've seen guys uh, posting you know, almost $7, but that's premium. Premium's over 7 bucks. Oh, ridiculous. So if you have a cool car or truck, then uh, you know, you're broke. Nevada, five fifty-two a gallon. We're not that far off. Hawaii, that's right. Illinois is three cents cheaper than Hawaii. They're at five dollars forty-eight cents, and then the list goes on to include Oregon, Washington, Alaska, Michigan, Arizona, and Indiana. So a lot of these states, though, I just wanted to point out, a lot of these states are cool states worth visiting. You know, Hawaii, Nevada, California, Illinois. Illinois. <laughs> I mean, we fit right in there. Is the, the Illinois coast is lovely. Um, but maybe this year, instead of taking the family on a road trip, maybe just fly there and then rent an EV from Hertz or something. Or maybe, I don't know, Gabe, would you ride your bike across the country? Oh, absolutely not. No? No, I value my life. <laughs> well, and some people do. Some people are, you know, they're road warriors on their motorcycles, but I'm a town putzer. I'm a father of two. You know, I'm conservative. Like, town I don't, putzer. Well, oh, that's all I want to do. I want to putz around town. Yeah. No, that's perfect. I, I think that's a T-shirt. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> no, it's true. That's the same thing with old cars. There's some people that take, you know, the Great American Race and they run, you know, like a 2,000-mile road trip in an antique car. I, have, I want nothing to do with that. It's not that I don't trust the stuff and I don't enjoy a long trip, but I'd much rather, especially right now with gas being what it is, no way. Yeah, and Eric's made fun of me before, remember, that I'm not like a big trip guy. I'll go on a trip, but you'll yeah. be in the car for like two hours on a Tuesday morning just because. You know, like, oh, we're just going to pop up to Chicago for our 30 minutes and come back. It, it doesn't make sense to me, no. right? Um, and the other part of that is a motorcycle on the interstate, I just don't enjoy it. And it's not just the traffic because, um, you know, you're fast, you're maneuverable typically, but the wind kills me. I'm not a huge guy. So I'm out there and I, I'm blowing all over the place. Just That's getting, not fun. Yeah, getting pushed around. Yeah, for I, I don't want to drive at a sixty degree angle, leaning into the the headwind. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound enjoyable. No, no. So I'd say fly. That's a good call. That's a good call. And, and you know what? Mad props. Uh, shout out to my friends Denise and Eric and their son Noah, who are taking a cross country road trip, doing some national park stuff right now. The one thing I do want to throw out there is it's really easy, especially being a gearhead. Everybody's like, oh gas, oh gas, blah blah. Sure. But you also can't stop living life. Nope. And, and you know, financially, it's one thing. You might make some adjustments. Maybe you don't take this car versus that or whatever. But don't let this, you know, what we're going through right now, uh, to the best of your ability, don't let that stifle, um, not creativity, but like stifle your enjoyment of life. You know, still go out and do things. This is hopefully temporary. You know, we, can, we talk a lot on this program about EVs and about the future of motoring and all that. That's a whole separate discussion, but at least this summer, still get out and do something. If you got an old hot rod, even if it gets eight miles per gallon, take it out to the shows, let the kids see it. Let you know, it's still important to do some of those those things. Um, but maybe just I don't know. I don't know where else could you cut back. Well, there's a, there's an easy solution, Daryl. I don't that? know. I've got it figured out. Maybe everybody else can too. Just borrow your friend's electric car whenever <laughs> you want to go somewhere local. It's, you don't have to pay for gas. Just go steal a Rivian. Isn't that solution? Yeah, yeah. Go buy uh, or borrow your buddy's Bolt or whatever. Yeah, but no, it, I actually have been driving slower, believe it or not. And I, I had a professor when I was young at ICC, 
And the only thing I remember this guy ever talking about was he was talking about and complaining about gas prices in like what the mid two thousands. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, well I, I found that if I drive my car 50 mile per hour instead of 55 mile per hour on the highway, I get a lot better gas mileage. So I've been doing that. And I judged him incessantly. And I'm like, like that's this a, dude's a dork. Yeah. It's the yeah. dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> look how old you are. You're slowly dying. Get out there, go live your life, get where you need to go. Don't spend it in your, cause he's not a car guy. Like maybe we could enjoy a drive. Right. Sure. But sure. he's not, you know, I don't know what he had, but it wasn't good. But now I see it a little bit, just a little bit as I get older, you know, we start, maybe we're getting wiser. The, um, the foot, the right foot doesn't go down quite as far on it. Yeah. Every... Yeah. And it's, it's kind of easy too, because I have mostly SUVs that are drivable right now that I take out. Um, and though, you know, you're not going to fire up to the max speed or things like that. So I right. actually, you might catch me, believe it or not, driving the speed limit on occasion. Yeah. But I guarantee you, I'm not going five under to save I, two mile per gallon. I will say, I, I will fully admit this. When I'm driving my wife's car, I put it in eco mode. And I, like the first day I had that thing, I'm like, that's never going on. I'm going <laughs> to power mode. I'm going to change the shift points and all. I'm in eco mode now. <laughs> that's where I'm at in my life, Gabe. All right. Give it to me. Give me the man card. Where's oh, it at? So bad. So bad. Oh, you don't have it anymore anyway. No, I lost it in 2004. <laughs> um, speaking of other things in Illinois, you found a nice little article here about uh, front license plates. Yeah. So I don't know if this is rehash or if this is new news. Um, Eric uh, consulted on the pre-show, as we mentioned, and, and he said this has been ongoing uh, struggle Illinois has been trying to do. Illinois has considered lifting the license plate requirement. Um, what's going on is this is a, a House bill being introduced by uh, Representative Thomas Bennett. And it would amend the Illinois Vehicle Code and re re reduce or remove the requirement for the front plate. But what you have to understand is this story might be a year old because there could have been a different House bill that was introduced that would have done this. But you know how it is in politics. They're going to say, oh, yeah, this is what the bill does. Guess what else it does? Here's the pork. <laughs> is that what they call an omnibus bill or whatever? Where it's sure. All I mean, kinds they, of other stuff in it. Well, that's the thing. They basically never introduce a bill anymore that's just like one simple thing that you can have an opinion on. They've always got to muddy the waters. Um, so this could have been something that's come up before. Um, I know from my youth, I'm not that old, but, uh, uh, you know, I'm a little older now, as is Daryl. Maybe we'll talk about that in a minute. That's right. But uh, back in my day, I had a car with no front license plate. I got a warning on it in town, and I got a no front license plate ticket when I took it to Chicago and parked it on the street. Lovely. I also got the warning for window tent. Well, guess what? We did pass the window tent laws a few years ago, because before that, any side window tent and rear tent was illegal in Illinois, unless it was factory to the, like, the lowest levels. And it's, it's going to be the same thing with the front plate, right? I think this article says that... Uh, like 20 or 30 other states have already um, gotten rid of the front license plate. And like if you have a sports car, especially the new Corvettes that come out, mm -hmm. they have to bend the front license plate to get it on there. Because there's no flat spot in the front. No. And it's it's so angular. Um, and I know my friend has a new Corvette and I know another older gentleman in town. I've seen him a lot. He's got another new Corvette. And they've both done it. It's I don't know if there's another good way to do it. I don't know what comes from the factory. But the point is these cars are not made to have a front license plate. And it's just costing the state money. So uh, they say that it's going to save the state approximately $800,000 a year if they do it. Clearly, we don't want it. I've run a lot of cars without a front plate. Daryl, have you done that? Yeah, my old Cobra, I did not put a front plate on it until about a month before I sold it because uh, I got pulled over. I had the car 16 years, never got hassled. And then uh, I think like the month before I sold it, I got hassled twice. Once from a state trooper who pulled me over in my parking lot at work and wrote me a written warning for no front plate. So wow. Wow. 
think I'm going to put a front plate on it. That so. guy was busy. He really was. He really <laughs> There's a lot going on. No, so I, I think that's fantastic. If the state can find a way to save money and it's close to almost a million dollars just by not doing something, fantastic. How many how many times in other services have we cut uh, here in the state that's going to equal less than that as a, quote, cost-cutting move? Well, the, the sad part is is that $800,000 probably doesn't even register for them No, it's at, at the drop, state level. Dropping a bucket. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like a lot of money to us. And that's the point. Saving is saving. So they need to start doing these and eventually it'll add up, right? They just don't think like that. <laughs> right. Yeah, probably. That'd be common sense. That would make sense. Yeah. Speaking of things we love. Yes. Do you love Taco Bell, Daryl? Uh, not as much as you. I mean, you've, you've talked in previous episodes about how you really enjoy the Taco Bell here in Morton. Uh, which, by the way, for the longest time had that that '90s Miami Vice, the pink and purple. Motif. Oh, I loved it! I can't believe they got rid of it. It was like that, and the one in Chillicothe were like museum. Like that should be in a Smithsonian. Hey, kids, remember what Miami Vice was like in the late '80s? This it was amazing. Is, it was great. They would have a full length song while they're just driving in a Ferrari and like shooting their faces with no dialogue. Oh, great! It's like four minutes. Yeah. I don't know if Tubbs and, and Crockett ever stopped by a Taco Bell, though. That would be that'd be cool. It's like one of those They're long... not Fergie. No. No. <laughs> it would be funny, though, during one of those long montages, like, you know, In the Air Tonight or some Phil Collins song is playing. They're driving this Ferrari Daytona, wearing their cool, like, white linen suits, and they just pull in and be like, I want a Chalupa or whatever. <laughs> just ruin yeah. the scene. Just open it, just spray all over the suit, the, the fire sauce packet. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> we should make that movie. That'd be better. That's that's what I'm going to go yeah. to film school for. Now, speaking of Taco Bell and bad decisions, Taco Bell, have you seen this, Gabe? Have you seen this? Taco Bell wants you to live moss by shooting your Mexican pizza out of a tube. How do you do that? Uh, well, they have this new thing that they opened up in uh, the Minneapolis area, and it's called Taco Bell Defy. A couple years ago, they did uh, Taco Bell Cantinas, where it was like a Taco Bell in a major city that was like a bar. You could get margaritas. You could get a Baja Blast margarita. Did you know that? No, but I want one. Chicago. I don't know if it's still there. But they were doing all these things to kind of try to evolve Taco Bell, right? Well, this latest thing is called Taco Bell Defy. And uh, there's a picture here. We'll put it up in the post. But there's a picture here of the Taco Bell, and it basically looks like a bank drive through okay? Like a two-story Delio, big monolithic concrete thing, four lanes of drive-throughs, a screen, and there's no walk-in, dine-in, there's no counter, there's no people. There's probably people, but it's probably robots making the food upstairs. And then what happens is you either go online and you order through a mobile app or you hit a QR code, whatever, and the food your order just drops down almost like a bank tube, only it's bigger because there's only so many gorditas you can fit in a bank tube, right? So this thing actually made its debut uh, in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. It's been making the rounds on social media, and it's a move towards a mobile app experience and reducing drive through times for the customers. So uh, it's kind of a neat concept, and if anybody's been through the Taco Bells in recent years, or McDonald's, other places, they're doing more of the push to uh, the kiosk or the mobile apps, right? Everybody is, yeah. And it just makes sense in some areas, especially during the, uh, the pandemic where everybody's short-staffed. And even right now, short-staffed. There's every restaurant you're in. There's signs, help wanted, now hiring, right? So the, the, the Taco Bell Defy is being hailed as kind of like the next generation of what fast food in this country is going to be. To me, though, it's just, I, I, it's just so weird, and that's probably just me not embracing change. But if you had your Taco Bell here in town, 
turn into one of these Taco Bell defies where you just had a mobile app, you you order your whatever you what do you order? What's your typical order at Taco Bell? It depends on how fancy I want to be, Daryl. When I'm when I'm feeling really fancy, I get that chicken quesadilla and some loaded Fiesta potatoes, load them both up with fire sauce. Um, but that's pricey. So, you know, sometimes I'm on my own and I'm going cheap. I get mm. the five-layer burrito. I get like two of them. It's like five, six bucks. Fills you up. Yeah, exactly. Now, if I'm ordering for the family, we've got either the taco party pack, which is 12 tacos of your choosing, or the taco and burrito cravings pack or whatever it's called. I know way too much about Taco Bell. I just realized. I think And you... I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> no, 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 this is great. I figured out what, uh, like, your face lit up. Yeah. Your fa- no, but I'll tell you well, what. Well, they're not talking about boring cars anymore. We're talking about Taco No, just kidding. Who cares about I Lamborghinis and whatnot? It's yeah. about Chalupas. With uh, four tacos and four burritos. <clears throat> so sometimes a family splits that. You know what, though? They're, I'll tell you what, that's, that's a bargain. Especially in the day, I, I paid $15 for a Jimmy John's sub today. Sub. Whoa. Con- it was... It was a number twelve with chips and a drink, and it was like fourteen ninety eight. It's ridiculous. But you I could go get, to a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, I could go to actual like a decent restaurant. Yeah, but Taco Bell is not a decent restaurant. And no, we're, we're fine with that, right? We've accepted that. Now, have you ever had a problem at Taco Bell with its speed and efficiency? I mean, you're always going to have an issue, no matter how great people are. They're going to get backed up. There's going to be mistakes. Some, you know, a couple people call in on the same shift. You know, it's going to head downhill. But this, is this the solution? Because, no, I'm know. not in. I'm not know. in, Daryl. If you put this in Morton, I'm not going to Taco Bell anymore. Is it? I'm not. Is it because of the lack of the, like, the human element there? Or just it's new and weird? Or do you remember Demolition Man? The movie Demolition oh, Man? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Wesley Snipes? Yeah. Yeah. Where they're talking about Taco Bell winning the franchise wars? No, but I love it. That's what this is. <laughs> this is like the Terminator 2 of fast food franchises. Well, it's like a drive-in where it's not fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a you good... You drive your car in, you get your food at your car, now get out of here. There is, some, there, there is something, I, I think that nailed it. I think that's, the, that's what bothers me the most about it, other than the fact that robots will probably be making food out of humans in a couple of years that will just season with Taco Bell, Doritos Locos seasoning, it's and fine. then we'll eat it. But... Uh, <laughs> I think this is getting so weird. Eric is listening right now and just like, why did I agree? No, he was actually thinking, man, you guys were doing actually too good. It was a little too professional, a little too tapered that off. Was? And then we, there's no balance because yeah. we hit that point and it just goes down. It's just the cliff, <laughs> the cliff effect. No, just I, I'll wrap this up by saying, I think that's what it is. It, we've, t- we've taken fast food, which used to be kind of a fun little, I don't want to cook. Let's go get something out. Let's go here. Or if you have kids, let's go get a taco. Let's get a Happy Meal or whatever. It's kind of like a fun little thing, right? We've turned that into, I'm picking up my dry cleaners. I'm picking up my prescription at Walgreens drive through I'm going to the bank to make a payment for my mortgage. I'm here to get my nachos bel grande. We've turned it into the mundane and we've taken the fun and the joy and the life out of it. Well, you described it earlier. We had a beautiful, weird Taco Bell, and they have to update it. Look at McDonald's. McDonald's yeah. used to look fun, and now yeah. it looks like a depressed adult. They used to have those weird fake wooden brick floor things and like the little metal chairs and a happy play place in there with Mayor yeah. McCheese. What happened? Did you see that psyched out? Uh, Happy Meal picture that I sent you that looked like he was on meth that was inside the McDonald's. Totally normal looking McDonald's. Yeah. And that's on the wall. Like, yeah. okay, this is for the kids. The rest is for the adult. I don't know. We could go so on weird. forever about that. so bizarre. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are on, on the advances in fast food technology. Is it worth getting out of your car? 
Maybe not. Maybe you like the convenience. Info at throwingwrenches.com, or maybe you're the kind of guy who or gal who likes Sonics, where people actually, human beings, still cook your food, bring it to you on roller skates, and you got to tip them. Uh, okay, shifting gears now, let's look a little bit at uh, some international news. Gabe, did you hear the stories about uh, the electric DeLorean coming back? I, I did, actually. I saw this before the sheet, um, the new DeLorean, the back end that kind of showed it. Um, I didn't see a whole lot other than that on it, though. Not too much, not too much. Uh, of course, everyone remembers the DeLorean. Anybody who's of a certain age remembers the iconic car that was uh, designed by Giorgetto Giugiaro. Yeah, that's like the second time I've used his name in a podcast. I can't tell if he's saying it right or wrong, but I can't challenge him. That's what I've heard everybody say. <laughs> uh, but, of course, DeLorean uh, in production from 81 to 83, stainless steel body, uh, hearkening back to uh, the, design, you know, the original dream of John DeLorean, formerly of General Motors fame, father of the GTO and a bunch of their cool cars. Um, well, the uh, company out of Italy called... Ital Design, who's done some fantastic stuff over the years, they actually uh, helped design a brand new next generation electric version of the DeLorean. It's called the Alpha 5, and they kind of drew some of the inspiration from the old Gullwing stainless steel sports car that everybody remembers from Back to the Future, only this is way different. This is like a whole quantum leap forward into the future. This thing supposedly is going to come out in 2024, and it is going to feature Goldwing doors, a 100 kilowatt hour battery, and a range of over 310 miles, which isn't too bad, uh, on a single charge. Accelerate from 0 to 60 in 2.99 seconds. And as a fun throwback, the company announced acceleration from 0 to 88 miles an hour. There you go. In 4.35 seconds. Uh, well, of course, everybody who's seen Back to the Future knows that's kind of funny. But anyways, this thing should top out about 155 miles an hour, and it's going to be built in Texas, where the company is based. And I guess I'm not too familiar with the history of the company after John DeLorean's passing and legal troubles, but I think it was sold sometime, or the rights, the naming rights for DeLorean Motor Company was sold in the 90s to one of the business partners who now who still owns it. So uh, the company that's in Texas that's going to be building these, they actually do full-on restoration services. You can buy fully restored DeLoreans for like $100,000 I mean, $100, or yeah, something crazy. Yeah, stupid money. Yeah. yeah. But they're saying this thing should sticker about one hundred seventy-five grand for the base model, and uh, it's, it's going to be pretty interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, How do you feel about it, though? I think it's cool. Really? I, yeah, I I'm not usually. You see the interior? Yeah, it looks like something out of a Jetsons or. There's something. like nothing there though. Like a little screen, but that's like every new car. Have you seen some of the newer yeah, Mercedes kinda. and stuff? But I mean, it's so opposite what the DeLorean was too. Yeah, the DeLorean was a little more unique. I think there was a little more, I don't know, tactile feel on everything, and this thing, it's not going to be the same. But yeah. How's it going to stack up against all the other EVs that are all coming out and all are doing basically the same thing, though? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Because I looked at those stats. Um, I think the Rivian truck's faster than that, Daryl. I, I think I, it's actually 2.7 or something to 60 or 2. Point, like it's it's either there. the same or faster and a lot cheaper. And you get a truck bed and can tow versus, yeah, this looks better maybe on the outside, right? It looks like a supercar. Do you want to pay an extra 80 grand to look like a supercar and have less use? That's I fair. don't. That's Maybe fair. somebody does. It's all about that. The, the I think just the bragging rights of saying, "Yeah, I got a DeLorean." Do you remember when Nike came out with the DeLorean Dunks, the shoes? No, was, I've heard of them, but no, I don't remember. What they I came almost out. spent three hundred bucks on a pair when they came out. Oh, 
but they were sold out. The size 13s were sold out. They were like limited quantities, like the next day. Well, you should have bought them then, because I guarantee you they're worth more than you would have paid for them the next day. Secondary market, stupid. For yeah. shoes, for shoes with oh, the DeLorean. Still name huge. On it. It's so crazy. Mm -hmm. So I, I get your point. I just think, I think it'd be fun to have. I think it's neat lines. But the, I'll throw another little monkey wrench into this plan here. Um, I've been following the uh, John DeLorean's daughter, Cat, Cat DeLorean, on Twitter for a few years. Not to get, be confused with the other, the son, Man DeLorean. <laughs> the, the Man DeLorean. <laughs> That's actually. I thought that was a documentary when I said, "Oh, Mandalorian." Oh, it's about him. Oh, they're going to bring him back. No, it's, <laughs> uh, no. He, uh, I actually followed her because she was in. Uh, documentary. I think it was called like Killing or Shooting John DeLorean or Framing Don... I don't know. Something Eric turned me on to. It was on Netflix. And actually, it was very, very well done. And it talked about his rise and fall in the auto industry and why the car didn't work out and some of the problems that were during production. Really good stuff. It was about five years ago or something. Anyways, I started following the daughter and she was a little out there. I'll just throw, I'll throw that out there. That's a nice way to say it. Yeah. So when the new DeLorean announcement came out last week, she was on Twitter and she was like basically saying, hey, that's cool, but the DeLorean Motor Company is no longer, has any affiliation with the DeLorean family. This is their own thing. They're using my father's name and likeness and all this stuff. Yeah, it's IP. They bought intellectual property right. and they're using it. It, it has that's, nothing to do with the original DeLorean or the family. That's Agreed. how that works. Yeah. So she was going on the company's Twitter page and Facebook page and stuff like that and just like trolling them basically. And I don't know who got paid when they sold the naming rights, but I'm thinking she didn't. Oh, definitely not. Because <laughs> she's a little bitter. So she actually got like blocked, like the company reported her to Facebook. Then she was on Twitter saying like, they blocked me. How come? I only said these things. And it was just really... You know when somebody does something in, in a, a very high level, it's like embarrassing, and you're like embarrassed for them. Like just stop, <laughs> just yeah. Yeah. just take your family name and your history and your money and your memories. How old is she? She's like in her forties. She's okay. like mid forties, late forties. So she's not old enough to be like the crazy trolling grandparent in like the sixties no. years old. We're like they don't fully understand, but they have a lot of opinions, right. and they got to get them out there because you gotta, need to know. I got to tell somebody. <laughs> yeah. No, she's definitely past the age of she should know better. But I, I also, I do wonder, like, maybe somebody else in the family cashed a big check and she didn't get any of it. So I just thought that was kind of fascinating. Here's this great thing, kind of a neat story, and somebody had a real Well, let me ask you a question. Some other great motoring company, and I'm, I don't know yeah. names from the early days, but, you know. Duesenberg. Yeah, what if somebody just bought the Duesenberg name and was mm. going to make a new car and they barely modeled it after an old Duesenberg that had nothing to do with the family or the history or tradition of the actual factory and, and manufacturer? Sure. Yeah. Wouldn't that bother you? Uh, a little bit. I mean, but no more than But like, what if you're part of that family? Yeah, I, I can see that. I could, I, could, I could see a little bit of that. But this isn't the right way to do it. But that's... But th <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's no different than somebody who actually has the last name of like Tesla you know, wasn't there? A t I think Eric mentioned in a previous show. Isn't there some descendant of Tesla who's like, mm, I wish they wouldn't have used my great 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 grandfather's likeness or something? Oh, to, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, it's it's hard to say because I'm not from a famous family and I never will be. So I don't know. Not good PR though. Um, we actually do, even though Eric uh, is 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 taking a little hiatus here. We actually do have one of the 
favorite segments for a lot of people. <gasps> but what don't we have? We don't have the mixer ability, do we? We do. I'll, do I'll, we? I'll put it in you post. You got the button? I'll put it in post. So if I do this thing, yeah, you can do it. Yeah, you want to you want to take a you want to I, I think well, I, I'm stepping in. I think I have to, don't I? Is it that time, Gabe? It is that time for the moment of I don't know how much that came through. <clears throat> Impressive. <laughs> Thank you. I'll make it sound good. I'll just do all the I'll do all the sound effects with my mouth because I can't do it. No. <laughs> No, our, our moment of must today comes to you from the Washington Post. And uh, in a reversal, Twitter plans to comply with Musk's demands for data. After a weeks-long impasse, Twitter's board plans to comply with Elon Musk's demands for internal data by offering access to its full firehose. Firehose of data? I don't know. That's aggressive. The massive stream of data compromising more than 500 million tweets posted each day, according to a person familiar with the company's thinking who spoke on the condition of anonymity to describe the state of negotiations. So essentially what? He's put in a bid on this company, and he doesn't have all the information he needs. So now he's threatened them, and they're complying. It's funny how that works. Yeah, so he's threatened to pull out of his $44 million deal to buy Twitter unless they provided this data, and they're caving because he's Elon Musk. Uh, it turns out Elon really likes people. His eloquent June 5th tweet said, Some hate humanity, but I love humanity so much. I think that's how he'd say it. That's exactly how it went. Yeah, I mean, whoa, man, that is deep. What do you think, Daryl? I think that is your moment of musk. Beautiful. It, it felt wrong. It felt wrong to do that without Eric. I, I'm sorry. It's not the same. It's a travesty. You know, the show must go on, and, and, and the public wants this. The public wants this more than probably Elon Musk does. Yeah. But we haven't heard from him. We haven't gotten a cease and desist. <laughs> so I think, I think it's fine. Yeah. Well, once we start tracking him, he'll still pay attention. Well, his whole thing is bots, right? He he thinks that Twitter's full of bots. Yeah. And there's there's been a lot of like mistrust about social media and things. It's funny to have somebody who mistrusts or has a serious disdain for a platform he like lives on. You know what I'm saying? But is it unreasonable? I mean, let's look at even just Facebook and our interactions on there. It's not necessarily bots, but just fake accounts, being hacked accounts, extra right. people, you know, oh, I've got three accounts or four accounts because I've got, you know, a burner account. So mm -hmm. how many actual clients do you have? You know, how many actually hits are you getting on these things? So if you say 500 million people are using it, what if it's only 300 million people or 400? Right. That's a big difference. It is. A lot of it's inflated, and that also could inflate the value of said product, exactly. said platform. He's negotiating, right? I think that's what some <laughs> of this might be. But everybody, I mean, not everybody has a Finsta or a fake account somewhere, do they? I mean, I, did you ever have a burner account? or? Uh... No. Okay. No, I mean, I you, probably, you probably wouldn't tell us if you did. Yeah, no, I can't, I can't do that. Can't disclose. <laughs> no, I'm just. It just seems like so much work. It's hard enough to be witty and fun, unless you, unless you're monetizing something, unless there's some ulterior motive. If you're trying to like sway public opinion or manipulate any kind of results of a survey, or I don't, I don't know. Well, again, I'm not on Twitter, um, but I've used Facebook a bit, and people do that, right? They build Facebook accounts yeah. to sell. To like you know either scammers or just like businesses or whatever else. Sure. So you know they're making these fake accounts and selling. Them. I'm sure Twitter's the same. Probably right. But does that does that mean? I don't know. I think it is. Maybe it's a maybe it's a shrewd negotiating tactic. I mean, I don't want to say Elon Musk isn't crazy, but at the same time, that guy does stuff that 
I will never do and you will never do. No, that's and he, true. he's clearly doing okay. <laughs> We're not going to another planet without him. No, nope. so, let's go to Mars, that. dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a segment, Gabe, of course, being familiar with the program, Grinding the Gears, where usually it's Eric. He's got something, uh, some sand in his gears somewhere, and he likes to uh, <laughs> complain about, oh, a various thing. Or two. I jump on the bandwagon, too. Uh, anything uh, on the top of your mind in the last couple of weeks where you're just like, you know what? This stinks. Uh, well, a lot of stuff stinks, Daryl, yeah. but uh, we don't have time for all that. But no, Eric, Eric had mentioned, and you'd mentioned as well a little bit, the traffic, right? And nobody's giving tickets out anymore and things like that. Yeah, traffic enforcement, just general traffic enforcement, because everybody, I think, forgot how to drive in the last two years. That assumes they knew how to drive in the first place. <laughs> I mean, the state of <laughs> Illinois verified it. Yeah. Through some sort of test. I actually just renewed my license by clicking a couple buttons on the internet. I did too. Isn't that weird? Yeah. They just it's almost mail. like they just wanted a couple bucks in money. <laughs> <laughs> and they just mail you a license. Yeah. Have you gotten yours? Yeah. Okay. I kept my old one. Are you supposed to tear up your old one? I don't know. I have a bunch of stuff I kept and not supposed to. It's so weird. All these things that years ago, they, you know, it was, it was like such a big deal. Like, you can't have more than one license. We have to shred this one. And someone could impersonate you. Or you could take this and, I don't know, do bad things. Sell and... it to a minor who can try <laughs> to buy alcohol with it because I look 12 still. <laughs> Oh my gosh, there was, oh, that would have been good. I could have done that for my little brother. I'd be mean, like, here, go buy some Four loco. Exactly. I actually don't drink That's that. That's exactly what he needs. That's so gross. <laughs> now, anyways, um, so, so yeah, to, to your point, though, we were talking in the pre-show about just how traffic is out of control. The average speed has clicked up to, on interstates, it seems like 90 is the average speed now. Even on two-lane divided highways in city limits, 70. 70. It's not 55, it's 70. And on the morning commute, on the morning, the evening commute home, it's just, and maybe we're just getting, like you talked about, we're not driving as fast anymore. We're trying to be efficient, trying to be safe and things like trying that. Trying to be old. Trying to be old. <laughs> Some of that's getting older. Yep. But even in your younger years, would you have gone 20, 15, 20 over everywhere you went? Um, Do you not, have a speed demon phase? No, yeah, a little bit. And I made some bad decisions. And thank goodness I didn't get punished for them, right? Sure. And most of us did. Um, but actually, I break more laws now that I'm older because I know when it's appropriate to do so and when it's safe to do so. And, you know, we're imposing more risk or risk to getting caught versus not. Mm. So I probably speed more now than when I was younger. I just, with gas prices and, you know, SUVs, it doesn't make sense all the time. Right, right. I, I, for some reason, I remember that line Kathy Bates has in Fried Green Tomatoes where she she wants a parking space and she winds up just like smashing her car into this younger girls and pushing her out of the space. And she's she's like, I'm old and I've got better insurance and like walks into the walks into the grocery store to go shopping. And I'm like, that's kind of where I'm at at my point in life. Like I pick my spots. You know, I'm not going to speed. I'm not going to dumb stuff. But then there's other things. Where I'm like, eh. I guess I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. No, I actually, I kind of love the speeding on interstate. The problem becomes if you have a lot of people that aren't that block traffic and people get road ragey or they're driving dangerously because you can always drive fast safely. But True. a lot of the people that have that, you know, oh, they're speeding, you know, they're the assholes. They're flicking you off. They're tailgating, right. making dangerous lane changes. And obviously that's never good. But no, I, I love going 90 on interstate. Are you kidding me? They should raise it to 90. As long as you're in the right lane. I'm sorry. No, the left lane, not <laughs> yeah. the right. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The correct lane. Right. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I think we're, as we're winding down here, uh, we're going to pick our segments. Uh, well, our favorite segment here is the Cars of the Week segment, which a lot of people enjoy, where you basically take some virtual currency that doesn't exist. You peruse the classifieds in search of 
Either a project or a halo car or a dream car you've had since you were a little kid. Maybe it's a DeLorean. Who knows? Uh, and then you actually pick it out and you say, hey, honey, what do you think about this? This uh, this 81 DeLorean's only $85,000. It's a bargain. Way cheaper than the new one, hon. Oh, way cheap. And in fact, I'm saving $50,000. What do you think? And then um, usually in my household, I don't know how it is in your escape, but uh, usually uh, my spouse likes to roll her eyes and then um, ignore me the rest of the night or say, that's nice, and then ignore me the rest of the night. So this is the segment where we can actually share our dream cars and dreams do come true virtually in this episode. So Gabe, um, without further ado, I know we've all kind of made some picks here. It looks like uh, did did Eric make a pick? Eric did make a week? pick. Yeah. Okay. So even though he's not with us here, he his spirit lives on, and he is actually going to uh, he he weaves in British cars every so often, doesn't he? <laughs> Has he ever bought one? No, no. He just buys Toyotas. Yeah. And you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that. No. But, and tractors. And tra- <laughs> tractors. But deep uh, deep down, I think there is a a frustrated little British man who wants to just take a drive in the country with a nice Jaguar drop top. And I think that's what he picked this week. Uh, Gabe, you want to just rattle off what uh, what his pick is? Absolutely. And he he gave us a little insight. Again, I, we're, we're touching back to the pre-show a little too much, but you know we have to because Eric's not here. But no, he said he upped his game thanks to a Mr. Jason Daly. He can't just pick a mediocre car that he's found on Facebook Marketplace. Uh-huh. He's got to buy something nice because <laughs> he can because it's pretend, right? Why not get something nice? Sure. So he picks a 1954 Jaguar XK120. Left-hand mm. drive, drop-head coupe. It's from 1953 was when it was built. So that's one thing that's interesting. So I would call this a 53, right? Yeah. Um, nowadays, we don't do that as much, right? Nowadays, they call it like a model year newer. Um, but back in the day, typically, whenever you sold the vehicle for the first time is when it was titled. And that is the quote-unquote titled year in the year of the vehicle. But it could have been an older body style. It could have sat on the lot for two years, right? Right. right. Um, so this is actually a 53, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, Power comes from a 3.4 liter inline six, four-speed manual, I'm assuming on the floor, tan soft top. Uh, it looks beautiful. It looks fully restored. British uh, yeah. racing green, that iconic, I mean, I think old Jaguars look the best in this color. They look great in every color, but there's something about those swoopy lines of an X- XK in that British racing green. Do you know why it looks so good? Because hmm. it looks like all the money you had to pay to get it. <laughs> it just looks like <laughs> stacks upon stacks. Exactly. Did he list, hold on. So, I'm going to pull up the listing right here. Yeah, so he said it's at $70,000 left on Bring a Trailer with three days left, um, which means that this thing will sell for what? To $120,000 if you're lucky, because, I mean, that last hour to 30 minutes or less of the bidding, that's where all your value is. There's a guy just north of us in a town called Dunlap, I think. I don't want to give names or dates or whatever. But anyways, he has a, a cream-colored one of these, and it's a 55 and it's an original car. And I remember being at a pretty high-end car show about 10 years ago. And I'm, I saw this Jaguar, and I'm like, and it's an X, X, XK120, just like this. And I'm like, man, this thing's a work of art. It's beautiful. It should be like, you know, on a pedestal. It belongs pedestal. in a museum. Yes. It belongs <laughs> in a like, little Indiana Jones. Yeah. And I look at the guy's name, and he's like, so-and-so, Dunlap, Illinois. And I'm like, I've never seen this car anywhere. Yep. But that's because these things are worth so much money. I wouldn't want to drive You around. can't drive it. What's no. the point? What's the point in buying it? Let's say you take that to the Walmart, 
You're going to buy some That's great Daryl's example. I'm going to go to the Walmart <laughs> right. with my 53 Jaguar. My, my six-figure car. I'm going to buy some Sam's Choice Cola and put it in the bonnet <laughs> or the boot or whatever they call it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you come out and some kid in a Charger's dinged your door. Like you're going you're gonna to flip your lid. So those cars never really see the light of day. I would love to see Eric have something like this because unlike his Supra or his collection of Celicas, plural, uh, some of the other vintage Toyota iron, I think this one would be a lot of fun for him and the missus to tool around with. But I also know that gravel driveway, you get some rock chips on that paint. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That might might be a car he has to keep somewhere else, maybe in an undisclosed location. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the guy in Dunlap has room. Maybe he does. <laughs> maybe he does. No, but it's a beautiful car. It's a great pick. Um, he was also talking about a uh, 325i BMW that was really cool, but he wanted to go big, so he went big. Yeah, and, and we were talking in the pre-show, a 325, used 325i convertible is used to be a bargain. It used to be one of those you know cars you could pick up for five or six grand and enjoy, a little weekend car that would have cost, I don't know, 20-some thousand new, maybe uh, upper teens back when they were new in the 80s. But nowadays, this, those 80s cars are starting to creep back up in value. So I would submit to you that the car you really want to buy is a used Solera convertible, which I drove here. <laughs> I've got convertible hair. I don't care. I think they're great cars. They're fun. They're about the same size, maybe a little bigger, as an XK. And they, they've de- <laughs> they've depreciated significantly more. So I would just Has say... Has yours depreciated significantly more or all of them? No, no, I think all of them. I don't know. Who knows? But I would say, Eric, good picks for your cars of the week. Um, Gabe, what have you picked? You've picked something that's a little more modestly priced, but still up there. Yeah. I mean, modestly priced is is relative term, right? Um, so my pick is a 1976 Porsche 912E. Um, I actually found this about a month ago or so on Facebook. Was that that blue one? It's the one with the whale tail. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's been it's been modified, and that's the thing. Um, but I had this... Daryl texted me today. He's like, hey, let's do the show tonight. I'm like, okay. So like, I got to find a car. I know I have to find a car. It's like the one minimum requirement for the show. <laughs> sure. So I'm like, I'll just go to my saved on Facebook because I've got a whole row of things I've saved. Nice. Um, and this was the one that I, I liked the most. And I've been on a big kick for manual transmissions and open tops. Look at all my last purchases. The Chrysler. True. Drop top, three speed, right? It's a three speed. Yeah. Yeah, three speed. And then the Volkswagen Rabbit, drop top, five speed, two motorcycles. I mean, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this fit right in. And the guy's asking $35,000. It's down in Missouri on Facebook. And I, I actually started researching these Porsches because they were very interesting. The 912, I was never big up on them, um, but they made them, what, 65 through 69? And then they came out with this E in 76 only. So it's got kind of classic styling from the 60s, but it's more modern. Is it the last year for the 912? So again, they just made the 912 through 69, and then this is the 912E. Gotcha. Which is, you could call it a 912, I think it is, but the point is, is like, it's not even like the final model year. It's like the car died, and then they decided to resurrect it for like one more year. How rare and unique is that? It's pretty cool. Yeah. And so this one's been modified. The guy put a whale tail on the back of it. If you're not familiar with that, you know, it's a giant Porsche wing, but it looks like appropriate on it. Um, you know, it's got the big rear tires and the Fuchs rims. I'm not, I don't know how to say yeah, it appropriately. Fuchs or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was a big kind of a, they're the super wide. It's basically looks like every, um, wasn't there one of these in Bad Boys 2 or like one of those, 
It seemed, I don't want to say this. Just got real. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like one of those cars that like a bad guy from an 80s, like like either 21 Jump Street or Magnum P.I. It's like some bad guy had. Yeah, because he'd be German and back then that would be the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> With like these $100,000 uh, custom Porsches. Yeah. It's got great lines. I think it's got some uh, wheel flares, like rear wheel flares in it or something or a wide body kit or something. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely messed with a bunch of stuff on it because even the interior, like the, the steering wheel, if you look up others of that year, he put like an old wooden Porsche steering wheel on it and the other ones have like a more modern one. Um, but I like it. I like what he's done with it, but... I also know the problem with these types of vehicles where they're heavily modified mm. is if you have to fix anything, they've messed with everything. So you can't just grab a factory manual or ask a question on the internet. You've got to figure out your own unique cluster. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, you know what? This is my car of the week. I really think it's cool. I'd love to, to tune around on this thing. I'd find that techno song from Super Troopers and bump it while I'm going down the road. Oh my gosh, I forget. That was that <laughs> dude was in a Porsche. Bang, yeah. Yeah, in the beginning. In my Porsche. Yeah, yeah. In my, <laughs> I forgot all about that. So I would do that gig every, you know, <laughs> joke every once in a while. Um, and I'd really enjoy it. But uh, I have it saved still. So even though I'm dreaming here, Daryl... Um, into July, I'm heading down south. I might stop by and look at it. It's oh, still for sale, but there's gosh. no room in the stable right now. No room in the end? No. Nope. I mean, I mean, you that hasn't stopped you before. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> quitter. Correct. No, I'm kidding. No, it's a cool car. It's a good buy. Maybe, maybe you're a Porsche guy. You just don't know it yet. I don't know. We'll see. What I have happens. been on a German kick too, though, right? You have. Oh, here's a picture of it. I just scrolled down. Awesome car. Awesome car. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to wrap this uh, this segment up here by saying I picked another drop top car. So we're, we've all got a Atta theme. Boy. You know, we're all doing summer drop tops here, except mine is a much more bloated version uh, than your Porsche. It's a 1966 Mercury Monterey Park Lane convertible, which is about as big as Mercury got. This is a giant full size rear wheel drive beast of a car. It's not a boat, is it? It's a it's a pontoon. It basically is. It's yeah. got its own zip code. <laughs> it's got the stickers, the inspection stickers on the front fender. Is it longer than your your fifty five? It might be. It might be <laughs> about nineteen, twenty feet long. This thing is a, a, a tank though. It actually comes uh, from Gary Uftring's classic cars. And if, for those who aren't familiar, Gary Uftring big car dealer here in central Illinois. He opened a couple years ago a classic car dealership, which basically is, I think, a way for him to sell some of his stuff and keep some nice stuff over the years. At exorbitant prices. Yeah, they're up there. Uh, this thing didn't have a price listed on the website, but uh, it's one of those things where if you have to ask... You can't afford you it. can't afford it. <laughs> it's a beautiful kind of a royal blue color, blue top, blue interior. It's got a Q-Code 428 Super Cobra Jet, Four-barrel Super Marauder V8, backed by the Mercomatic three-speed <laughs> transmission. So it's an automatic, but who cares? It's a 428, so the thing would just scream down the highway, getting uh, all but seven miles per gallon. It's a gorgeous color. It was actually called Caspian Blue, and I, I'm a sucker for blue cars. I love the color blue. Um, and this thing would be really cool. It's got bucket seats, console, and uh, all kinds of other goodies in it. So for a big kind of quote-unquote old man Mercury it's it's kind of got the heart and soul of a muscle car, and I would love to own this thing. If I had to guess, Gabe, I think this thing would probably be listed for 50, 60K. I was going to say at least 40, yeah. Yeah, just based on that drivetrain, it's probably a rare, a rare option. And true to form, this thing doesn't have white wall tires. It's not a big grandpa car. It's got black walls, real dark, sinister-looking car that even though it looks like something you know, you'd be taken to a golf course with some clubs in the back, 
I think this thing would scream on the open road. No, you made fun of my car saying it was the 80s bad guy car. <laughs> this is the 60s bad guy car, and there wouldn't be golf clubs in the trunk. There'd be a body, Daryl. There'd be dead body. <laughs> Look at the headlights on that <laughs> thing. It's, that, it's got that menacing run on the grill up top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you own any convertibles right now? Just the Solera. Oh, and, that's true. Uh, I guess I don't count that because it's too new. It's right. It's daily. No, nothing old and cool. Um, but but you should buy this. I think I, I might. Let's I, think about it. You know what? You've convinced me. I'm going to go home and talk to Sarah. I'll see what she says. She'll be sleeping, and he'll just be like, honey, can I buy a convert? Okay, you're sleeping at night. Yeah, got, a call, got a call from the bank. You unfroze our credit. What's going on? So, no, that's... That, Very cool. Good picks. Good picks all around. And uh, I think before the end of summer, one of us will probably buy or sell a vehicle again, just knowing us. So I sold a vehicle. I sold that Ford. You did. So, and I came out 800 bucks ahead by the time I bought the bike. <laughs> Less than 24 hours later. No, uh, I, I tell you what, though it's been it's been a, a great spring. I can't wait to see what summer brings, and uh, we all have our our stuff going on in our personal lives. But this is a fun hobby. It's brought us together, and uh, I I don't know what the future holds here, but I do appreciate uh, Gabe filling in and helping us during the summer. Always good to have you on, and it's even better when you're on the other side of the table and we can actually. Uh, and I'll have some more laughs. So. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Eric. This was Eric's idea. I actually didn't even push for this or think of it. This is um, Eric's fault. Is yeah. What I'm saying. <laughs> yeah if you're idea. looking for somebody to blame, uh, <laughs> info at throwingwrenches.com, at Eric at the top. Yeah. And we will include some more information on uh, things that are going on, ways you can help uh, with this post at throwingwrenches.com. Look forward to uh, hearing more episodes in the summer. And uh, we will definitely keep you posted on what's up on the Facebook page. So like us, follow us there too. For Throwing Wrenches, I'm Daryl Scott. And I'm Gabe Casey. See you next time. Bye-bye.